Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. And to study your Word. I thank you, dear Father God, that this Word causes us to be living epistles of the living Christ, known and read of all men. As we approach your Word, we do so with reverence and with humility. Thank you, Father, that we can trust our lives to His provisions knowing that our hearts are receptive, our ears are attentive, our minds are open, and you, by your Spirit, will enlarge our capacity to receive revelation, knowledge, wisdom, understanding, and ability in all things that pertain to life and godliness. Our tongues are as the pen of a ready writer. I thank you, dear Father God, as the Word goes forth in demonstration of the Spirit and power. Your Spirit will write this Word upon the table of our heart, and Father God will be doers of this Word and not hearers only. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Colossians chapter 1, and we'll look at verse 9. And the title of our message this evening is Hope, a Motivating Force. Hope, a Motivating Force. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 9. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Let's stop right there. And let's begin to think about what Paul is saying here to this church concerning walking worthy of the Lord and all pleasing. How many of you want to walk worthy of the Lord and all pleasing? Absolutely. We want to walk in this earth, in this life, in this realm, pleasing unto the Lord. Worthy of the Lord and all pleasing. Well, the Apostle said the only way we're going to do that is by understanding and being filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. If we don't have that, then we're not going to be able to walk worthy of the Lord and all pleasing. In order to walk worthy of the Lord, each and every individual should understand and know what the will of God is for their own individual life. I'll say that again. In order to walk worthy of the Lord, each and every individual should know what the will of God is for their particular life. You recall the Israelites, after they were delivered from the Egyptian bondage, they entered into the wilderness. And because they did not follow the revealed will of God for their lives, they did not enter into the fullness of the blessings that God had for them in Canaan's land. Well, today we've got too many Christians, or I should say professing Christians, or born-again believers, backslidden believers, that are walking after and minding the lust of their flesh, more concerned about carnal things in this life and in this realm than they are about spiritual things. And so they find themselves in the wilderness, just like, the Egypt, just like Israel was when they got delivered from Egypt, not knowing which way they should go, and then eventually being told by God they're not going to enter into the promised land, and finally being judged of the Lord in so much as they all died in that wilderness without ever experiencing the fullness of the blessings that God had for them. They never followed the will of God for their life, although it was plainly revealed and stated for them. Well, 
Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and I want to share this with you. It'll help us in our walk. There are too many born-again believers that are following the footsteps of the Israelites when they were in the wilderness, and they're not following the Lord Jesus. They're not following His example. They're not following His purpose, His program, His will for their lives. And they find themselves in confusion, wandering in the world, not knowing which way to go, not knowing which way to turn, never entering into the fullness of the blessings, wondering if God has forsaken them or if God has left them. And they just don't know what to do. And the problem is, they've not entered into the will of God for their particular life. They are not fulfilling the purpose of God for their particular life. They are struggling with the things of the flesh. They're struggling with carnal things of this world. And as of yet, they've not learned how to enter into the fullness of the blessings that God has for them. Same thing with the Israelites. They were not persuaded to act on the Word of God so they can enter in. Well, we're going to find out something this evening as to how we can be motivated by the force of hope to enter into the fullness of the blessings that God has for us and fulfill His purpose for our lives individually and also corporately or collectively as a church body. In chapter 10 and verse 1, 1 Corinthians, we find here Paul explaining to us or giving to us the example of the children of Israel when they got delivered from Egypt, how they got overthrown in the wilderness and did not enter into the full promises God had for them because of the fact they didn't have any understanding of the will of God for their lives. Let's look at verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all of our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. I want you to circle the word all. The word all. They all started at the same point. If they were running a race, we could say they started in Egypt and they began to ran toward, run toward Canaan's land. They began to run through the wilderness and they were supposed to be running all the way into Canaan's land if they were running a race. The Lord said, gird up your loins, get yourself ready, eat the lamb that was slain, eat everything, all the flesh thereof, have the blood already prepared upon your doorposts and lintels of your house, and get ready to go because you're getting delivered this night. And here we find out that they were all under the cloud, which is the divine presence of God. They all passed through the sea, every single one of them. They were all baptized under Moses in the cloud and in the sea. We can call that a type of water baptism and the Holy Ghost baptism. They did all eat the same spiritual meat. They did all drink the same spiritual drink. Every time you see the word all, circle it there. They all did. 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 And did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with many of them was not, God was not well pleased. Everybody say, God was not well pleased. Well, we're, we want to walk worthy of the Lord unto all what? Pleasing. But with the majority, and in the Amplified, I believe it says, with the majority of them, God was not well pleased with the majority of them. Why was He not well pleased with the majority of them? They all started in the same spot. They all got delivered from Egypt. They all passed through the Red Sea, delivered by the mighty hand of God. They all went through the water baptism, through the cloud. They had the cloud by day and by night, the fire by night. They all had the same spiritual drink, the same spiritual food. It's just like us when we're born again. 
We all got delivered from the powers of darkness. We all got translated into the kingdom of the Son of His love. We should all be filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in the Holy Ghost, and speak with other tongues. We should all be baptized in water. We should all partake of the same bread and the same drink, the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We all have the same deliverance. We all have the same life. In Him we live and move and have our being, and there's no difference. There's no respect of persons with God. We all have the same starting point in the realm of the Spirit. Just like they did. But God was not pleased with the majority of them. Why? For they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, these things were our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Neither be idolaters as were some of them, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink, and they rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell on one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all of these things happened unto them for an examples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Now that's just for our example. That was written for our example. To be an example unto us that we see that even though they were all delivered, even though they had all the same redemption, they did not all enter into the promises of God. And the reason why they didn't was because they were overthrown. See, we're walking through a wilderness just like they were. Only ours is a spiritual wilderness. Theirs was a literal one. But the spiritual battle went on and took place. You see, the lust of the flesh, or the, the flesh, the devil, the world system is all set up against us for the purpose of what? Destroying us spiritually. And if we begin to fulfill the lust of the flesh, if we begin to mind the carnal things of life, and if we keep our minds set on those things of the flesh, then we're going to be overthrown just like they were. And in the book of Hebrews chapter 4, real quick, turn to that. Hebrews chapter 4. See, they were more concerned about gratifying the lust of their flesh and minding carnal things, and they were about entering into the promise of God and fulfilling God's will for their life. So consequently, God was displeased with them. And because He was displeased with them, they did not enter in. And it was all because of disobedience or unpersuadableness to act upon the Word of, and the will of God. You'll recall that in the book of Exodus, chapter 23, He told them, I'm going to send an angel before your face. And when he goes out before you, he's going to lead the way for you. He's going to clear the way for you. He's going to take care of the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, all the ites. He's going to get rid of them when you enter into the land that I promised you. If you obey his voice, you'll enter in. And when you enter into that land, you'll not worship their gods, their false gods. He says, but I'll go in and drive them out one by one. You'll worship me and you'll live for me and I'll be your God. You'll be my people. And what I'll do for you is I'll take sickness and disease away from the midst of you. There won't be any miscarriages. And the number of your days I will fulfill. You'll live to be a ripe old age upon the face of this earth. If you obey and hearken to the voice of the angel, because my voice is in him. What I have spoken in him, he's, he's representing me. And if you'll do it, you will enter into the promises, all that I have for you. Can you imagine that place that God wanted them to enter into? A perfect place upon this earth. For what reason? So God can show forth His glory in the earth. God's intent and will from the beginning of time was to show forth His glory in this earth. He wanted to do it through Adam and all of his children thereafter. But Adam sinned and he fell short of the glory of God. And because of it, he could not show forth His glory in this earth. So he raised up a people through Abraham and called them the Israelites or the Jews. And it was his will and intent and purpose to get them to a place in life, in this life, where he can show forth his glory unto all this world. But they still wouldn't hearken unto him. 
Now in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 1, Let us therefore fear, lest the promise being left us of entering into His rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. Now, what He's saying to us is this. We need to fear likewise, just like they failed to enter into the fullness of the blessings, we likewise can fail to enter into the fullness of the blessings and allow the glory of God to be made manifest through us. Now, if we do that, we'll never experience, as they never experienced, the fullness of the blessings of God. Now, I don't know about you, but as far as I'm concerned, it is my desire to enter into the fullness of the blessings that God has for me. I don't want partial blessing. I want the fullness of the blessing. And you'll find out, just like the Israelites, if we don't begin to pursue the will of God and walk in light of the will of God for our lives... Soon enough, we're going to get into a place that they were in. When God judged them and turned them over and said, you not enter into that land, if they were 20 years old at the time he said it, they only lived to be 60 years old. And they died prematurely. Now, I know about you, but I don't want to die prematurely, do you? I want to enter into the fullness of the blessings of God. Well, we have a pattern set for us so that we can do it. Let's look to the book of Titus chapter 2. And what we're going to do is give some incentive this evening through the Word of God so that we can be inspired to go on with God into the deeper walk of the Spirit, the realm of the Spirit, and learn how and understand how to enter into the promised land, the fullness of the blessings by faith as we're motivated by our hope. In the book of Titus, chapter 2. Not only is this for an individual, but it's also for a a body such as ours, a collective body. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. A better way to say that is for the grace of God that bringeth salvation to all men has appeared. They lived under the dispensation of the law. We live under the dispensation of grace. In that dispensation of the law, they had to live by the law. But in the dispensation of grace, we must live under grace. Not get entangled once again with the yoke of bondage under the law, but stand fast in the liberty where Christ has set us free. So we can't go back to their dispensation and try to live. We can't go to a future dispensation and try to live. We've got to live in this dispensation the way God would have us to live in this dispensation if we're going to enter into the fullness of the blessings. Now, he says here, the grace of God that brings salvation to all men has appeared. It's here now. And what does that grace teach us? Verse 12. It teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Everybody say, in this present world. Two things the grace of God teaches us. Number one, we should live righteous, soberly, godly, by denying ungodliness and worldly lusts. That's exactly what the Israelites did not do. Their righteousness was by the law. 
It was a limited righteousness, but they did not live by the law. They broke the covenant or the commandment of God. They were all baptized in the Red Sea, through the Red Sea, under Moses. It meant that they were hooked up with Moses as their leader, with the covenant, the first covenant, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, with the law. They were all hooked up. They were obligated to fulfill that law, but they did not do it. They were disobedient unto it. They were covenant breakers. They broke the law. They disobeyed God. They became idolaters, fornicators. They did all what they wanted to do. They fulfilled the lust or grat the gratifications of their flesh. And consequently, God had to turn them over. God had to judge them. But now listen. We are living in the world. And in the world, there are ungodly, ungodly lusts, evil lusts, unrighteousness, and in that scripture in verse 12, it says that the grace of God has taught us that we have to deny ungodliness. It says, and deny worldly lusts. And we have to live soberly, we have to live righteously, and we have to live godly in this age. World is age. In this present age. Well, in verse 13, he tells you the second thing we have to do. Looking for that blessed hope. Everybody say, looking. Say, looking for that blessed hope. And the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. What are we to be doing in this present age? In this present age, we are to be caught up in two things. Living godly, soberly, righteously. Denying ungodliness and worldly lust. And also, we are to be looking unto. Looking unto the blessed hope. See, hope is future. Hope is never in the present. Hope is something that's off in the future tense, something you hope to have or will happen sometime or it's going to happen someday. But it's something you can't bring into this age or this generation with your faith. That's the hope he's talking about right here. He's talking about the appearance of God in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we can't use our faith to bring that into manifestation. He's going to come at the allotted time. In the dispensation of time, God is going to speak to Jesus and say, go on down there and bring my family back home. And when he does that, that's when he's going to come. And that's why he says we've got to be caught up looking for him to come. Now, there's a lot of believers that have misplaced or they're not using their hope. They're continuing to live their life in this realm. But they're not doing what the word admonishes us to do. And that is to look for Jesus to come. Now, notice the word hope. The word hope is future. It means something is going to happen. And because we know something is going to happen, we look for it to happen. And because we're looking for it to happen, what we do, we change or we cause our lives to be changed so that we will live in this realm as God would have us to live in verse 12. Because we know that he's coming to do something. If you're caught up in looking for that blessed hope, you use your faith to live godly, soberly, and righteous in this life. If you're not looking for the blessed hope, then you're not going to be living godly, righteous, and soberly in this present life. So what we want to do is we want to talk about hope. The Bible hope. The true Bible hope. How hope works as a motivating force in our lives to cause us, to give us incentive or inspiration 
to use our faith to obtain all that we can in this present age. Because you see, beloved, if we don't have this blessed hope, then we're not going to live godly and righteously in this life. It's going to be a hit and miss thing. Our mind will not be girded up. Gird up the loins of your mind by looking the helmet of salvation for that blessed hope. Now, what I want you to do is to go with me to the second chapter of the book of Ephesians. And I want to say some things with you that you better write down and get a hold of. In second chapter of the book of Ephesians in verse 8, the Bible says we're saved, for by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, as any man should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus under good works which God had before ordained that we should walk in them. I want everybody to say, for by grace are we saved through faith. Now I want you to find Romans chapter 8 and verse 24. And I want to show you a scripture that had me baffled when I was a young believer. See, understanding the future of the believer or understanding future events or what's going to happen in the future will have an effect on our lives and will affect us and the way we live in this present age right now. Now, notice in chapter 8 and verse 24 that Paul, the same writer that wrote and said in, in Ephesians 2, 8, For by grace are you saved through faith, also said, For we are saved by hope. How many of you read that scripture and said, Now, Paul, did you miss it? You ever read over that scripture and say, now, Paul, you made a mistake here. Hope is something that's in the future. Hope is something that you, is not reality right now. Hope is something that you don't have. He went on to say that. Let's, let's read the whole thing. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why does he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. He's not talking about the salvation of your spirit. He's not talking about, you know, you being born again, a new creation. We are born again. That's faith. We've received Christ into our heart by faith. We're born again right now. We have Christ living in us. We're born again, new creations. Our spirit has received the earnest of our salvation or of our inheritance. We're born again, children of God right now. What's he talking about over here? What's he mean we're saved by hope? Actually, he's talking about the blessed hope and he's talking about the salvation of our bodies. He's not talking about the salvation of our spirit. He's talking about the salvation of our body. See, our body's not been redeemed yet. Our body has not been delivered from the law of sin and death as of yet. It's got to be sown into this earth before it receives an immortal body. And so he's talking about the salvation of our bodies or the redemption of our bodies. Or if you back up a verse 23, the latter part of it, he says, waiting for the, re for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. See, he's talking about our body being redeemed. It's not been redeemed yet. Now look at 1 John chapter 3. Our blessed hope then is the looking to the Lord Jesus Christ coming in the clouds of glory at his appearing, we call it the rapture, when he is going to change this vile body of ours 
or those that have died preceded us in death, those that have died will precede us and they'll go up before us and they will receive a brand new immortal body, will be changed and receive a brand new immortal body or spiritual body, heavenly body, resurrected body, whichever way you want to call that body. But that's the hope that we have. We have a hope. We're not just going to live in this body for the rest of our days. I know there's a, there's a sect that believes they're going to live as a mortal being as a, upon the face of the earth throughout all eternity. But that's not so. We're going to have immortal bodies. We're going to have resurrected bodies. Now, how many of you have the hope of having a resurrected body? How many of you know then the way you live in the body right now will determine whether or not you receive a resurrected immortal body? How many of you know the way you live in your body right now will determine whether or not we're going to have our salvation? Think about that. Now notice 1 John chapter 3. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, verse 1, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. How do we become a son of God? By faith. By faith in Jesus. And it does not yet appear what we shall be, that's future. What are we going to be? But we know that when he shall appear, that's his coming, that's his appearance. We shall be like him, that's our glorified body. For we shall see him as he is, and every man that hath this, everybody say hope. You have a hope of receiving that kind of a body? Do you have the hope of receiving a spiritual body, a glorified body, a body like unto him, so that when you see him... And you leave this body, you'll be likened unto him as he is. Well, he said, it doesn't appear what we're going to be, but we know we're going to be like him because we're like him in spirit, but we're going to be like him also in body. And every man that hath this hope in him, everybody say, purifies himself. Even as he is pure. Now, notice this. If you have this hope in him, then this hope, what hope? Titus said, the hope... Of his coming. The blessed hope of his return. The blessed hope of us receiving a brand new body. The blessed hope of our bodies being changed in the twinkling of an eye to be like unto his spiritual body, a glorified body. If I have this hope in him, then I purify myself as he is pure. How? By living righteous. See, holiness. Hope. The motivating force of hope will cause us to live righteous and holy in this life right now. If we don't have this blessed hope, we'll eat, drink, and be merry and live the way you want to live. But if we do that, we're going to miss out. See, James said this life is but a vapor. But, even though this life is but a vapor compared to the eternal kingdom of God and throughout all the ages. What we do in this life will determine where we spend eternity. And what we do in this life in the body will determine just what kind of glory we have when we enter into that spiritual body. See, if we have the proper hope, we know what faith is. Faith brings into manifestation the unrealities of hope that we can receive in this life. But you cannot receive an immortal body in this realm. In this dispensation of time, we cannot... Let me give you an example. In the, the age before us, we'll call it the dispensation of the law. They all died in hope, unable to obtain the born-again experience. 
They had hope in that experience, but they could not use faith in that experience because as of yet, Jesus was not resurrected. So they could not have faith in it. You can't have faith in something that didn't happen yet. They could have faith in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. They could have faith in the promise of His coming, which gave them a hope. And the Bible says they died in hope, not obtaining by faith what was theirs, which was the born-again experience. And so although they lived and died and lived and died throughout the dispensation of the law, they never attained to a born-again experience. But because they had the hope of it and walked in the light of the law, then when Jesus came in this dispensation and was raised up from the dead and was seated at the right hand of the majesty on high and he led captivity captive and let them all go free, then they can receive their spirit regenerated. And then they were caught up in the glory. But as of yet, they have not received their immortal body. They are in spirit up there. Their bodies are still in the grave. They haven't received that as of yet. Now, you and I, we cannot receive in this realm the immortal body. But in this dispensation, we can use our faith to receive the first fruits or the earnest of our inheritance, which is a brand new spirit and the spirit of God to live within us. And we have that in us right now, inside of us, which is Christ in us. But Christ in us gives us the hope of the what of glory? Not faith. Hope of. Hope of being glorified in body. See, that's the hope that we have. Christ is in us, but He is our hope of. We have this blessed hope of being glorified. So while we're living in this realm and this dispensation, although we cannot believe for an immortal body, we have hope. The blessed hope, I am looking for something. That's why he said, if you, if you have it, what are you looking for? You can't see it yet. If you see it, you've got it. He says, there's no, more, no, no need of, of, of uh, hope. Because faith is in the now. Everybody say, faith is in the now. Hope is in the future. Faith is in the now. Hope is in the future. Now, turn with me to, first, to Ephesians chapter 1. Paul prayed in, in Ephesians chapter 1 a prayer for the church. Look at verse 16. And he said, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Remember Colossians said that we would be filled with the knowledge of His will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding? Now here he says that God, to give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the what? What is the what? What is the hope of His calling? Well, what is the hope of His calling? See, we've understood the place of faith. We've understood the place of love. But what is the place of hope? Now abideth these. Faith, hope, and charity. Charity being the greatest. Faith brings in the manifestation of the things we can believe for right now. Now faith. But hope is future. It points to the future. It shows us something in the future. Something we cannot receive by faith right now. So we have to hope in it. And that hope becomes a motivating force in our lives to purify ourselves as He is pure so that we can obtain 
the resurrected body. Now, we know about the power that He's given unto us, the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, but what is this hope of His calling? Look at Colossians chapter 1 once again. What is the hope of the gospel? Verse 5. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. The hope that we had have is laid up for us in this life, but it's not attainable in this dispensation. See, the rapture is what he's really talking about. He's talking about when Jesus comes and appears in the clouds of glory and changes us. And that is future. It will close out this dispensation of grace and prepare us for the seven-year tribulation and the thousand-year millennial reign of Christ. It's not an escape of the tribulation. It is a preparation for the body of Christ to set up the kingdom of God or of Christ upon the face of this earth. But he says, I want you all to be enlightened, to have your eyes open up to what is the hope of your calling. And here we see it is the hope of the gospel. There's faith of the gospel. The gospel is the power of God to those that believe for it's revealed by faith to faith. The righteousness of God is revealed. But also there is a hope in the Bible. And that hope is we're going to be glorified at His coming. Now here he says, For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, where have you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel? Now go over to the 23rd verse. Now throughout this Chapter, he's talking about you being filled with the knowledge of His will and all wisdom to walk worthy of the Lord, to be strengthened with might by His glorious power. He talks about how Jesus was raised up from the dead and we have redemption through His blood, remission of sins. He's before all things and by Him all things consist. He's the head of the church. It pleased the Father that in Him all things should, should dwell. And having made peace through the blood of His cross, He reconciled us to Himself. And you who are sometimes alienated from an enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now He's reconciled us in the body of His flesh through death to present you holy, blame, unblameable, and unreprovable. But verse 23... If, if, see, you're saved by faith and you're saved by hope. We've received the earnest of our redemption, but we've not as of yet received the completion or the manifestation of our redemption. Now, notice this. If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved. Everybody say this with me. Be not moved away from the hope of the gospel. And what is the hope of the gospel? I am looking intently. I am looking intently for the coming of the Lord. And because I am looking for Him to appear in the clouds of glory and to receive me unto Himself and to change my vile mortal body into an immortal body, I look for It causes me to live righteous, holy, soberly, without blame before God in this body, in this present age. Now notice there's two ages here. He's talking about in this age and in the age to come. That's another age. That's another dispensation. That's another period of time. A dispensation or an age is a period of time that God has set apart or marked off by Himself throughout eternity, marking off of eternity, where He wants certain things to be accomplished and certain things to be done. Under the law, He had certain things He had to accomplish and had to have done. And when Jesus came, it was fulfilled. It, was, it lasted from Moses unto Jesus. And when Jesus came, He fulfilled the law and another dispensation. The dispensation of grace came into manifestation. And in this dispensation, God has an intent and purpose and some things He wants to accomplish right now in this, in this world. 
and we are the vessels by which he is going to accomplish what he wants to accomplish and what his purpose is. And we have to line up with the purpose and plan and program of God and follow it as the Israelites were supposed to follow it if we want to enter into the fullness of the blessings of the gospel of Christ. If we don't do it like they didn't do it, then God's purpose will never be fulfilled. That's why Jesus is waiting so long to come back for us. Although there is a, an appointed time and it's going to happen. But yet we as believers, if we want to enter into the fullness of the blessings of the gospel of Christ, we have to do those two things. We have to intently look for the coming of the Lord, having this blessed hope in His return to change our vile bodies into immortal bodies, a glorified body where we receive a crown of glory so that we can receive all of the rewards of what we've done as a laborer in this earth through the body so that God's purpose and plan can be fulfilled in the next age. See, something's going to happen in the seven-year tribulation period that has to happen. That's another period of time. Then the next period of time is going to be the thousand-year millennial reign of Christ and something's going to happen in that dispensation and you'll be excited about that. Really excited about that. But here we see in verse 23, if you continue in the faith, you've got faith. we got faith in Jesus right now. We're born again of spirit in the spirit. But continue in the faith, be grounded and settled, and don't be moved away from the hope of the gospel. Now, this once save, always save business is going to be thrown right out the window with this. Don't be moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. And what did he preach? The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men, teaching us that we should live righteous, sober, holy, before God, denying worldly lust and all ungodliness, and looking for the soon coming return of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now, it doesn't matter when it's going to happen. If you were looking for Jesus to come at midnight tonight, what would you be doing right now? If you were looking for Jesus and you knew He was coming tomorrow, would that cause you or motivate you to do some things in life that maybe otherwise you wouldn't do? Well, see, that's to be our motivating force of life. I should be living every day like Jesus is coming now. I should fix my mind or set my mind on things above. Things where Christ sitteth at the right hand of the Father. I should be focusing my mind on the fact that Jesus could come in the next hour. Looking unto Him. See, there's really two things. We look unto Him by faith and we look for Him to come also by hope. And we'll see that in a minute. But let's read on here. Verse 24. Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church, whereof I made a minister according to the dispensation of God. I'm a made a minister according to this, this dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which hath been hid from the ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. See, this is the age he's talking about. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is what? What is that mystery? What is that age? What is that dispensation? It's a dispensation where Christ is in you by faith. Christ dwelleth in me by faith. Christ is in me, but He in me is my hope of... See, I'm not going to be glorified in this dispensation. There isn't one saint that's died that's glorified receive the glorified body. In spirit, they are waiting for their body to come. And that's why he calls it the hope of the gospel. And he, here he calls it, 
Christ is in you, and He is the hope of glory, which is why whom we preach warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus, whereunto I also labor, striving according to His working which worketh in me mightily. So that's why he was laboring to preach the gospel and to write these letters to these people that were in the body of Christ in the church because many of them were being sidetracked by heresies and heretics that were teaching the resurrection has already passed or there is no resurrection of the dead and it's, you can eat, drink, and be merry and do what you want in your body. It's okay because it's all, it's all fine and well. But Paul says, who taught that to you? That's a heretic. That's heresy, he's saying. He says, that's not the truth. If there's no resurrection of the body, if there's no glorified body, then Christ is not risen from the dead. Anyone to explain about the resurrection of the dead? And says, you better start living righteous and holy before God or you're not going to see Him at His coming. And if you think about it, evil communications corrupt good manners. Some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. And right in that chapter, 15th chapter of Corinthians, that's what he's talking about. He's talking about those that didn't believe in receiving that glorified body or didn't have any hope in it, caused them to live their life ungodly in this realm. And he says, those communications have corrupted your good manners and you don't have the knowledge of God. And I speak this to your shame. And they were going to be full of shame if they continued in that way. But then he wanted to explain the resurrection. Well, I want you to see something else here. Go back to, go to Philippians chapter 3. What is the hope of the gospel? Jesus coming to give you a glorified body. That's going to motivate you to win souls when you find out what it means. When Jesus comes back to, to this earth to, to glorify your body, to receive, we'll receive a glorified body, we're going to receive a crown of glory, and that crown will be determined by the many souls we bring to Jesus and lead into righteousness. And I'll show you that in Scripture, and it'll bless your heart. Well, Philippians chapter 3, we see something here that Paul said. Hope is a motivating force that causes the believer to live a certain lifestyle in this life right now, even though we have faith in Jesus in our heart, so that we can receive the end of our salvation, which is the glorified body. If we, through the Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the flesh, how? By purifying ourselves as He is pure, then we will receive the end of our salvation, which is the glorified body. But if we, through the flesh, live after the flesh, then the flesh will overcome us, and He said, ye shall die. I know that's hard words, but it's so. Let's look at Philippians chapter 3. Paul said in chapter 3, verse 10, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after. Follow after. If that I may apprehend for that which also I am also apprehended of, by, of Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now, Paul said I was running a race, and I'm running this race to win the prize, and the prize is the prize of the high calling in God. He's talking about the high calling of the high resurrection of the dead. He says, when I am resurrected from the dead, I want to win as many, you know, stars I can in my crown. I want to show forth the glory of God as much as I possibly can in my resurrected body. I want to be able to show forth the glory of God in a mighty way. 
And so he says, I am running this race with patience and with hope. I am waiting for the end of my salvation. And that's why it's caused me to buffet my body. I die daily for Jesus Christ. I live and die daily for Jesus Christ so that I can be found worthy unto him and all pleasing. And then he goes on to say, see, this is his goal. He has set a goal for his life. And that's what hope is. It's a goal center. I set a goal. I want to win as many souls. I want to bring as many as I can into the kingdom of God. And he's given us a goal to set. I want to attain to a better resurrection. Someone asked me, how come it is that some of them, you know, they died without being protected. They died a martyr's death. Some says they did not receive their deliverance because they wanted to obtain a better resurrection. That was their goal. That was their desire to obtain a better resurrection by dying as a martyr for Jesus. Well, Paul goes on and says, nevertheless, verse 15, let us therefore as many as be perfect be thus minded, and if anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal this even unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have us an example. For many walk of whom I told you often, and now tell you even, weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. Don't mind earthly things. Deny all ungodliness and worldly lust. That's exactly what he said to do. For our conversation, verse 20, or our lifestyle is in heaven from whence also we look the hope. We look for the Savior. We are saved, yes, by faith. Our spirit has received eternal life. But also we have hope in His coming, in His appearing. We are looking for Him. And that hope that we have, that motivating force of hope, causes us to live godly, righteous, and soberly in this present world as we look for Him to come. And it also motivates us to win souls because we know as we bring souls to the kingdom of God, then our crown of glory shall be brighter and more glorious. See, that's what it does. It's a motivating force. And here, here he says this. Who shall change our vile body? See, I'm looking, he said, for the Savior to come to do what? To change my vile body. He understood love. He's walking in love. He understands faith. He's living by faith. But now he says, this is your blessed hope. Now by faith, hope, and charity. And this is the force of hope. And this is what hope does. It's a goal setter for your life. It motivates you to do something. Knowing that one day we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ to receive the works that we've done in our body. And knowing if we want to attain to a beautiful, you know, the best resurrection we can and the, the most beautiful glory, glorious, glorified body that we can, then it'll motivate us to get out there and win souls. It'll motivate us to, to preach the Word. It'll motivate us to live godly and righteous and holy before Him in this present age. So that in the age to come, we won't be ashamed. When we stand before Him at His coming. Well... We'll go on and read the rest of it. That it may be fashioned like unto His glorious body according to the working whereby He is able even to subdue all things unto Himself. All right? Now, Paul was the one that set that goal for his life. He started out, and the first thing Paul did was he said, What wilt thou have me to do, Lord Jesus? Remember on the road to Damascus? He says, What wilt thou have me to do? What do you want me to do in my life, Lord Jesus? What is it you'll have me to do? And Jesus said, Go into a city called, go into a city and a street called Straight and, and uh, wait over there for, you know, see so and so and, 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 and you'll, it'll be told unto thee what you're going to do. And uh, Ananias was sent unto him and he says, Behold, that Saul is praying. He prayed, Jesus said. Notice that the first thing Paul did was, or Saul did was, ask the Lord, What do you want me to do? What is your will for my life here? And he says, Go and it'll be told thee what thou shalt do. He's seeking the will of God. And he's praying. He didn't eat for three days. All of a sudden, Ananias comes. 
And Jesus told Adonis, you go down there and tell him that I've got some certain things he's going to have to suffer for my namesake. It was the will of the Lord that Paul the Apostle suffer certain things for his namesake. And preach the gospel to the Gentiles and go and spread the word throughout all the Gentile nations. Now, that was the will of God for Paul's life. He says, I started my course by faith. I believed on the Lord Jesus. By hope, I looked to attain a better resurrection. Uh, I set my goals for the prize of this high calling. And I kept my course. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4, 7, 8, 7 and 8, let's read it. You're close by. 2 Timothy. He started his course. Hope was the force that motivated him to stay on course. And then he says, I, in verse 7, have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. At what day? And not to me only, but unto all them also that love his what? That love his what? His what? His appearing. Looking unto Him. Looking for the appearing of the Lord. If you love His appearing and you begin to walk in His will for your life and you let that hope be a ghost center in your life that I'm going to attain to the best resurrection I possibly can by the ability of God that's within me by fulfilling the will of God for my life and you set that as a goal in your life, you're not going to turn from that until you keep on going and keep on going and keep on going. You're going to deny godly lust and all worldly lust and ungodliness and you're going to keep on going. Looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. Looking for Jesus' appearing. And if you'll do that and be motivated to win souls and lead people to righteousness and work for the Lord every day of your life and turn from all that ungodly lust and carnal things, he says, then there'll be laid up for you a crown of glory also. But if we don't have the hope of his coming and receiving a, a glorious resurrection and resur resurrected glorified body, and if we don't care what kind of body we have, we'll just go on this life and just live in the way we want to live. But see, faith is not enough. Hope. This is the place of hope. And I want to show that to you as we go on. Jesus is our example. And uh, you're close by here. Go to 1 Thessalonians while I'm saying this. Jesus is our example. And Jesus says, I came not to do mine own will, but the will of Him that sent me. And Jesus said in John chapter 17 and verse 4, Jesus Himself said this. Now remember this. He said, I have finished the work that you gave me to do. See, I can't speak for you. I know what He's told me to do. And the will of God is progressively revealed to our lives. And I'm doing His will right now. And if He tells me to do something else, I'll do something else. If He tells me to pass out tracts the rest of my days, I will. But that's the will of God. See, I'm going to, I'm going to respond to that. But Jesus Himself says, I've come to do your will, not mine will. And, and He says, I have finished the work that you gave me to do. See, if God didn't call me to go out in the evangelistic field, I can't go there. But I have to do what His will is for my life. And Jesus said, I did it. He did it under the end. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2 and 3, Jesus, we, we see how He did it. It says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before Him, the hope that He had in the new creation, in overcoming the devil, and bringing a family of believers into existence, the hope and the joy that was set before Him, He endured the cross. What was the motivating force in his life? Why did he go to the cross? Not mine will, but thine will be done. And he had this blessed hope inside him. He saw something off in the future that could not, and listen to this, could not be obtained as long as he lived. 
And as long as you live, you cannot obtain an immortal body. You're going to obtain that at the coming of the Lord and not before. As long as he lived, he could not have a family. God couldn't have a family. There couldn't be any second born and third born. Couldn't possibly be. But when he died, and when he, when he was going, he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and giving up his life unto death, he knew this, and so for the hope and the joy that was set before him, a future thing, something that could not happen while he was living, he gave his life. It motivated him to go to the cross. He's my example. I look to him. That's why it says looking unto him and looking for him. Looking unto Jesus is faith. Looking for Jesus is hope. That is coming. First Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 13 tells us exactly what the hope is. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them that are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others which have no what? Have no what? See, they have no hope. Why? Because they died and they have no hope in the resurrection of the dead, in an immortal body. They have no hope. But we are not without hope. We have hope. He goes on to explain the rapture there. I don't want to do that now. We'll go on maybe later. But look at the fifth chapter, verse 1. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman uh, with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. You are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others. But when do you sleep? At night. In other words, don't walk in darkness. But let us watch and be sober. Watch and be... Look, that's exactly what he said in, that Titus said. To Titus, watch and be sober. Live soberly and watch. Look for Jesus. Look, watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of number one, faith. Number two, love. And number three, for an helmet, everybody say it, the hope. See, why is he saying the hope of salvation? I thought we're saved by faith. We are saved by faith. But we have not received the glorified body yet. And as long as we've not received the glorified body yet, our body is, our flesh is going to war against our spirit to try to bring us to a place of doom and destruction. But if we will, through hope, looking for Jesus to come, set our mind on things that be above and don't set our minds on the lust of the flesh, that's enmity against God, and walk in the spirit, then we won't fulfill the lust of the flesh and the flesh then, Satan through the flesh will not destroy it. That's why it's called the hope of salvation. Now, you know what Jesus said about the will of God? Very quickly. He said in Matthew 7, 21, not all, the, not all that come unto me and say unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into my Father's kingdom. But those that, everybody say, do the will. See, do the will of God. When they said unto him, your brother and sister and mother are without, they, need, they, seek, they seek thee. He said, who is my mother, my brother, my sister? They that, what? Do the will of God, my Father, which is in heaven. Strong words, but that's what Jesus meant. And what is God's will? Jesus said in John 6, 38, 6, 36 to 38, I've come to do my Father's will, and this is the will of Him that sent me, that all that come unto me, I would give them everlasting life. It is the will of God that we all have everlasting life. And that I lose none of them. See, that's not the will of God. The will of God is that we come to Him and all receive eternal life. Now, let's look at John, or Ephesians the book of Ephesians. 
chapter 1. Well, find chapter 1 and, and also find Romans chapter 8 again. While, while we're looking for this, I want to say this. You remember when well, we saw Paul started his course and finished his course, Jesus started his course and finished his course, but remember Peter? In John 21, when, when uh, Peter was told by Jesus that you're going to die a certain death, he says, when you get to be an old age, you're going to stretch forth your hands. And this was signifying what death he was going to die. See, the church prayed for him to be delivered, which was right for them to do. But you know what? If you stop thinking about it, he wasn't old enough then to die. Because Jesus prophesied and said that, really gave a word of wisdom that he wouldn't die until he got old. Didn't he? See, that's part, partly why he was delivered. Because Peter was on the right course in his life and following the will of God. Jesus said, you're going to die a martyr's death, but you'll be old when you do. Signifying this death, you're going to die. But they, did you notice what Peter said about John? Lord, what's he going to do with his life? Jesus said, what is that to thee? What is that to you, what, what his, my will is for his life? What is that to you? You live your life. What do you care if he tear, if I let him live till, till I come? Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Do you love me, Peter? Feed my sheep. What was God's will for Peter's life? Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. What's God's will for John's life? What is that to thee? See, we can't get involved in doing what God's will is for somebody else's life. We've got to do what God's will is for our life. Because He has a plan and purpose to fulfill. Okay, now look at... Let's look at, first of all, Romans chapter 8. Verse 22. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain... Verse 22. Together until now... And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. We have the first fruits of the Spirit being born again. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves for what purpose? Waiting, waiting for the adoption to wit or to be made known. That is the redemption of our body. Why are we groaning within ourselves? Waiting for the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is not seen, that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he hope for, yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Now this is important. See, when he's talking about, and we've used this for intercessory prayer, and it's, it, it can be used that way, but I want you to see this in its proper setting. He's talking about because we have the first fruit of the Spirit, a regenerate Spirit, and we have a body that has the law of sin and death operative in it. The old man taught the body to sin. Well, he says, our spirit groans from within, just like the whole creation is growing, groaning from within until they're delivered from the curse that came when Adam fell. And he's saying, we within ourselves should be groaning within ourselves because we have the hope of His coming. We groan within ourselves because by hope we are saved. We've not been, we've not been totally 
totally redeemed yet. We're waiting for the manifestation of an immortal body. And because we're waiting for it, we're groaning within ourselves. Why? Well, this will help us out about the will of God. Because the Spirit likewise helps our infirmities. We don't know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. And he that searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, and he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. According to the will of God. He's making intercession for my Spirit according to the will of God. For my life, and also Paul travailed till Christ be formed in you. But see, that's why those that don't receive the Holy Ghost have a hard time knowing the will of God. When I got filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues, my tongue was ablaze. It was anointed. It was on fire with the power of God. And that calling came upon my life right then to preach the gospel. I knew it. My tongue was ablaze, set on fire. I didn't know much about it, but the anointing of God was there. And I was directed, you see, by God from that point on. But here... Praying in the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost bearing witness inside of us, moving us to groaning so that we know what the will of God. He's praying the perfect will of God and we'll find out what the will of God is. But go to first chapter of Ephesians first real quick. He said we have received the first fruits. Remember Romans 8 and verse 23? Not only they, but also ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves. Okay, we have the first fruits of the Spirit. Look at this. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 14. Which is the earnest of our inheritance, or the first fruit of our inheritance, until the redemption of the purchased possession, possession under the praise of His glory. Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith. Everybody say faith. In the Lord Jesus, and everybody say love. Faith and love. See, faith and love. There's something else missing here. It's hope. We'll find it in a minute. Since I heard of your faith, you're born again, and of your love, you're walking in the commandment of love, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of, the, of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, would give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of Him, so that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, that you would know what is the hope. I see your faith, I see your love, but I want you to know what is the future. And the future involves the age to come. The future involves the future age, meaning what position we are going to hold in the body of Christ throughout the eternal ages. And Paul says, I've been made a minister. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.